Hey guys, welcome back to Flora Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Melissa. And today we have a very special guest who I've talked about on this podcast a lot already. She, she's known as my friend who lives in England. We... <laughs> We're giving her a name today. Yes. We have Madison. Hi guys. We're so happy that you have joined us today. So Madison and I have been friends since freshman year of high school, which is like 13 years now, which is crazy. We're so old. We are old. (laughs) But Madison, how are you? What's going on over there in England? I'm good. I'm good. It's currently sunny, which is weird. And... It's kind of cold, but not as cold as Minnesota, so I guess I can't really complain. What? But I am I am complaining because I don't like it when it's cold. What degrees is it? Um, I think it was like 45 today. Oh, that's like pretty much exactly what it is here. Yeah, but it's like sunny, but then the wind is like really cold, oh. so it's super just and it feels like 35 instead. Is it usually not sunny? Um, no. It's so I live in Suffolk, which is like apparently the sunniest part of England and the driest part, but um, it still rains a lot and it's still really cloudy. So I could go two weeks without seeing the sun, really. Oh, wow. So, But the summers are really nice. They're warm and sunny. When we were there, or when I was there in England about a year ago, I was just amazed at how green everything is, like... Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I just kept taking pictures of the grass. Like, I can't believe this color. (laughs) It's so green. And I'm like, "Uh, it's always this color. (laughs) But I guess if you're used to brown Minnesota and from the winter. Yeah, it's true. So, well, speaking of Minnesota, so Madison, you grew up in Minnesota. And now you've lived all over the world, basically. And, well, England and a few different places in the United States. But growing up and in high school, did you always know you wanted to leave Minnesota? Was it part of your plan to not live in Minnesota? In high school, I don't think I really knew where I wanted to live. But after going through college in Grand Forks and how cold it was, I was like, I never want to live in the U.S. again. Or not in the U.S., in Minnesota again. I don't know. And I guess in high school, yeah, I went to see my aunt and uncle in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's November and it's nice and sunny and amazing. I love this place. (laughs) So I was like, maybe I could see myself moving to Arizona. I'm like, you know, my aunt and uncle did and they have like, I don't know, it's just always nice. And then I left Grand Forks and I was like, oh, thank God I don't have to be in the snow anymore because we moved to California and I've just fallen in love with the West Coast. So I definitely will not ever be moving back to the Midwest. I can say that for certain. (laughs) <laughs> so you yeah. so after high school you decided to go to UND which is in Grand Forks North Dakota how how <laughs> your accent on North Dakota was North, great <laughs> yeah. North Dakota um how did you make that choice like how did you know that's where you wanted to go to college and how did you decide what to study there well I applied to a couple of schools um locally just because I was paying for college myself so I was like I need to be obviously financially responsible about this and UND was within my price range and whatever. So I also looked at UMD, so up in Duluth and we went to tour the college and I was like, I really don't like this place. The vibe is not something I like. I stepped out of the car when I got to North Dakota at Grand Forks and I was like, I'm going to school here. Like this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. So it was just like a feeling of like, yeah, I'll apply to the other places, but 
this is my number one choice as of right now, just because the feeling I got when I got there. So it's just how I make my decisions usually. <laughs> I mean, they haven't led you astray, I don't think. No, they haven't. <laughs> Your gut feelings. I was just going to say, are you by chance an INFJ? Yes, I am. <gasps> okay, I heard you, you make are. sense. <laughs> Your other podcast, I was like, hey, girls, I'm an INFJ. <laughs> I yes. I had no idea that you were. Definitely. Yeah, I took the Myers-Briggs test uh, before we got married. Me and Robert took it so we could see our compatibility or whatever. That's It's crazy and, because we talk about how it's supposed to be the rarest personality, yet all our friends seem to be INFJs. Yeah, I know. That's very strange. Well, it makes so much more sense now. Uh, what is Robert? Uh, he's an he, – I know he's an I. I think he might be an I and – tj okay i could see that thing. but yeah he definitely has that thinking logical aspect mm-hmm. to him and it like that's definitely where we cr- uh, clash because you know i'm more feeling and he's more like logical like yeah why do you have to feel like that you know or whatever <laughs> but just think about it logically i'm like i can't i'm an f <laughs> <laughs> that's cool that you guys did that before you got married yeah, it was part of our, like, pre-marriage counseling stuff. So, you were at UND, and that's where you met Robert. Do you want to talk about how you guys met and started dating? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, funny story. When I went to go visit the college, we passed by the ROTC building, and there were a couple guys standing outside in their blue Air Force uniforms. And my mom was like, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be so funny if you started dating an Air Force guy? Or, like, ooh, look at the Air Force guys. <laughs> Like, whatever, I'm going, I don't need to go to college to find a man. So after I get to school, like two months later, I meet this super cute Air Force guy (laughs) in the dining center. So uh, we just kind of hit it off. He, my roommate was in ROTC and he worked at the dining center. He was uh, swiping cards. And uh, so she was like, hey, Madison, this is Robert. He's um, a junior in the ROTC program. He's like my flight leader. They had like roles or whatever in their uh, classes. And so he had, he was like, had to manage the younger cadets, stuff like that. Anyway, so that's how she knew him. And I was like, ooh, he's really cute. Like, we should hang out with them and all their friends. And so we went to a party together and he just put his number in my phone and we started texting and like hanging out all the time. And that's just, I don't know, it just kind of worked. So, and your mom was right. She was she right. Was. Yeah. yeah. So it was before all the Tinder and dating apps and all that stuff. So when those came around, I was like, like, what is Tinder? Like, what? <laughs> I have no idea what it is. And they're like, you've never heard of Tinder? It's been a thing for like a year. I was like, mm, nope. I have no idea what these things are. Consider it a blessing. <laughs> yeah, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel good. But I mean, it works. I know plenty of people who've gotten married from finding each other on tinder so no shame in like finding someone that way but I just don't think that that would be for me so yeah that's how we met and then we stayed together for all four years through my college and we were long distance for the last two years because he graduated so he went to pilot training for the air force and then I finished my schooling we got married moved to california and the rest is history so backing up a little bit how and when did you know he was the one that you wanted to marry? I don't really know. 
I mean, there was never like a defining moment, mm-hmm. I guess. It was just like, we just started talking about it, I guess, like our future. When we, when he graduated, I think it became more serious, like, because we knew we were going to be long distance for so long, for two whole years, and potentially more if I went to graduate school. So it was just like, okay, well, if we're in this for the long haul, like, let's put the work in. And then through pilot training, he started, like, talking to me about marriage and stuff and whatever. And I was like, yeah, probably we shouldn't get married until, like, after I graduate or even get engaged until after I graduate. And then he popped the question a year earlier than I thought he was going to, which was fine because it was a huge surprise. But, yeah, I just – I think we just both knew without, like, having a huge defining, like, he's so the one. Like, I didn't see him, like, I don't know – sitting on the couch, eating a cookie or something, and you're like, oh, my God, he's the one I love him. <laughs> it wasn't a Hallmark movie? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Eating a cookie. <laughs> you're the one for me. Yeah. Were you ever hesitant because of his career choice? No. No. I think because I met him before he was in the Air Force. So, like, I went through it with him. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I went the whole like him being trained into it that it kind of was just like my life already because since I went to all of the Air Force balls and stuff that were happening um, on campus and I always hung out with all the military people on campus so it was just like my life at that point already so it didn't really it didn't really phase me that we would be moving every couple years since that was my life anyway I moved every couple years like dorms and stuff so I was like, I think I can do this. I don't need to stick around in one place for too long. Yeah. Yeah, I had that same question, too. Just, like, if it was something you were always on board with as far as being a military wife or if it was something where you had to, like, slowly come to terms with, like, okay, this is going to be my life. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely came to terms with it here in England versus back in California because in California I never did anything with the spouses or like the air force base or anything like I never went to the commissary which is like the shopping like the grocery store on base and stuff and I did a couple spouse events like went to lunch with some of them but they never became friends with me so I never really felt like I was being a military spouse like if you I don't know what the stereotypical military spouse is they volunteer at every event and they're doing all this stuff and you know, they're, like, always around in the squadron helping out and stuff like that. That definitely was not me in California. And I definitely kind of had to embrace that here in England since, since we're so reliant on the base. Right. Yeah. And, like, because I don't have a job here, like, there was no other place for me to make friends. So I was just like, hey, well, I have to, like, go all in and talk to these spouses because before all of them were older and had babies. And I was like, I cannot relate to any of you. Mm-hmm. And now here we have a lot of younger people with no kids and even the people with kids I still hang out with but like it was just you kind of have to become a military spouse here in that sense because there's nothing else like for you to do around yeah to make friends yeah if that that makes sense so let's talk a little bit about the timeline of all the places you've lived so you graduated from UND you and Robert got engaged and got married and then you moved to California. Yes, that was 2014. Yeah, we moved to California. And then, uh, yeah, we stayed there for two years. I worked 
in a daycare for a while while I finished my associate's degree. And then the last year that we lived there, I started working in a speech therapy clinic. And then I had to, we got orders to England like a year before we thought we were going to move. So I had to end my job. So you guys lived in Marietta, California. That's like halfway between LA and San Diego, right? Yes. What was the best part of living in California? And what was the worst part of living in California? Okay. The worst part is the traffic because just everyone can agree with that. The traffic is terrible. I got stuck on a highway. I moved two miles or no, I moved 10 miles in two hours. It was horrible. Like, and that was just like a normal traffic day. There was no accidents or anything. Oh my gosh. I was like, what? (laughs) I had to do that once. I went to go see a friend who lived somewhere uh, farther away from me. And I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. Sorry, friend. (laughs) It was horrible. But the best thing I would say were definitely the beaches. I loved just like driving to San Diego, going to the beach, just like setting loose, hair in the sun. Like I loved the weather and just the climate and the beach life. That was just like my jam. I felt so at home there. I feel like I could get used to that part of it. (laughs) It was definitely easy. Very easy. like when it was December and I was getting all these pictures from people in Minnesota oh it's snowing and I'm like haha it's 70 degrees here (laughs) so when you got orders to to move to England was it hard to leave like your job and uh it was really yeah and when you got your job did they know that it was possible that you guys were going to leave soon yeah, I was straight up in my interview. I was like, I'm a military spouse. Like, they can tell us where to go whenever. Like, I'm expected to be here for two years. So just like, there's that. And then we had, so what's funny, we had a bunch of pregnancies, like, in the clinic. And so people had to go out on maternity leave or whatever. When I told my boss in uh, in our weekly meeting, I was like, I have something to tell you. She goes, oh, my gosh, you're pregnant. And I was like, No. <laughs> moving to England and she was like oh (laughs) okay like and so it was just a year earlier than we expected and I mean you can't help that it was either we volunteer to move early or uh, we could pick where we wanted to move um, because Robert's squadron was so full at that time and so they were like well you know you're at your two-year point you can leave at any point now and we have too many pilots in the squadron so you're available to leave where do you want to go and so we were like well let's move to England so we can travel Europe like that sounds like a really sweet deal this opportunity does not come to everyone and I'm really glad that we did because if we had waited another year in California we would have been moving to Oklahoma which sounds horrible (laughs) and then would you have had the opportunity to go to England after that or or was or would it just be off the table um or do you not know it you just don't know so he would have gone to be an instructor pilot at the base in Oklahoma so he we would have been there for like four years and if we were there we probably would have popped out a couple of kids because there's nothing else to do there (laughs) (laughs) just being honest um so, and then we probably could have asked to go to England next. Um, a lot of people do come from Oklahoma, from over here, um, from over there. But 
it just was like, well, this opportunity is here now. I know I just started my job and I've only been working here for six months, but I'm, I'd rather live my life while I'm young and have no kids than to like risk going to someplace that I never want to go. So it was just a, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Live live your life to the fullest at that point. So, yeah. You mentioned how since moving to London or England, you've had, you've made a lot of friends with military spouses. Are you like on a base or do you, do you like talk to a lot of local people that are not in the military too? Or how does Um, that work? (laughs) So all the Americans around here are here for the bases. So there's three bases, three military bases around here. They're all air force. And the one that we're stationed at is called Milben hall. And they have the uh, plane, which is the KC-135 strato tanker, which is, he's like a flying gas station. He refuels other planes in the air. And then um, the other base is a fighter base and has like F-16s and stuff. So if you run into Americans around here, they're from one of those places. Um, But I don't live on the base. There's not very much housing on the bases. And so, and there's just so many people here for the military. So we tend to live in areas surrounding all the bases, just like I have a bunch of British neighbors. So interesting. Yeah. All my neighbors are British. I don't think any Americans live in our village. (laughs) (laughs) It is a village too. It's so cute. It's like a little neighborhood. Yeah. So tiny. So green. It's so green. (laughs) I can send you a photo of my grass later if you want. (laughs) Please do actually. (laughs) So, how was it adjusting to new life in England? Was it hot? Did it take a long time for you to get used to living there? Yes, definitely. Because the first time I got here, I was really excited. Oh my gosh, it's magical England. Everything's like Harry Potter and everything's ancient. And it's just like this magical country that you see, you know, across the pond. Everything's greener on, on the other side. <laughs> Literally. And then. <laughs> And so the first three months was fun because, like, Robert didn't really have to go into work. So we got to, like, travel around, go to London, and do a couple things around here. Uh, We went to Germany, which was really fun. And so I was like, oh, I could get used to this. And then after the three months happened, like, we were settled in our house. Everything was unpacked. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and find a job. And so I went on base, and I searched for Um, speech therapy positions and they don't have any which I was told that they did have speech therapy positions in the schools but they just don't have the resources for it so I was really disappointed and that like hit me really hard because I was really sad that I wouldn't wouldn't be able to go back to work here on the American base so then I tried applying to the schools around here and then they weren't accepting me probably because I'm American and they know I'm gonna leave because I know spouses who are teachers have a lot of trouble trying to get a job in the schools around here as well for that reason. So it just like really hit me hard. And I was like, I hate this place. I'm like sick of all this like dreary weather. I miss California. I need some vitamin D. And so for like the first year, I really did not like it here, which was kind of hard because I really thought I would love it. But now I'm okay. I'm dealing with it. (laughs) so what did you do on those days where it was really hard to be there and you were missing California missing home I just 
I mean, I walk Lucy every day for like 45 minutes, just get out of the house, go call a friend, say, hey, you want to go get some tea? Just go hang out with people. And yeah, we just hang out a lot. All of us spouses who don't work just have a lot of tea. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you spill the tea while you're drinking tea? <laughs> there's there's not much tea to spill around here, I guess. <laughs> we talk a lot about the Royals, Meghan Markle, you know. But Are a lot of the people close to your age? Yeah. We have a huge, like, huge variety of people. So, but... Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of spouses here that are between the ages of 23 and, like, 30 that don't have kids that we all hang out, which is really nice that we have that, like, support system. Do you think they are choosing not to have kids? Is that a common thing to choose not to have kids until you're back in the States? Yes, yes. I mean, some people do, obviously, mm-hmm. families here, but a lot of the younger people are like, no, it's just so much easier. You can hop on a flight go to Italy or whatever you don't have a screaming child with you Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's just it's very nice having so many people that don't have children because usually right away in the military people get married and have kids it's just like a thing actually so this weekend I was home because my cousin who was in the military came to visit or whatever and he as soon as he joined the military like got married and now has a five-month-old and I was like Oh my gosh, you're growing up so fast. You're only like 22. <laughs> yeah, it's very common. It, and it's also common because sometimes military spouses don't have jobs because in the area that they're in, they can't find work in their field. And then they don't want, like me, I can't find work in my field. So I don't want to like work at a pub or like a tea room or something. Like I don't want to do something that I'm going to hate and just so I can have a job. Like, I know I wouldn't enjoy being in retail or working on base in the childcare center. So I just chose also to not pursue something in something I knew I wouldn't like to do. So people, spouses, they're like, I'm bored. Let's have a kid. Or like, hey, it's a great time for me to have a kid because there's nothing else for me to do here. So, or they truly want children. <laughs> they truly want kids and they, you know, want to start a family right away. That's combination (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy we I came to visit Madison when she lived in California and there was one day where she was working and so me and our friend Aaron went to work with Robert and we got to like go on some planes and stuff and it was really fun but we saw one of his coworkers, and I remember I was like oh that guy's really cute and (laughs) uh, he looked so young too and so we told Robert, like, oh, that guy was really cute. And he was like, yeah, he's married and has three kids. Four kids. Four four kids? Four, four kids. <laughs> and he yeah. looked like he was, like, 22. <laughs> and uh, they're from Minnesota as well. The guy that you thought was cute, he's from Minnesota. Oh, man. Good thing someone else snatched him up because I did not want four kids by 22. <laughs> he definitely did. She's the mom. Yeah, and I told her, remember how yeah. he messaged me? What? Oh, because Robert told him, he was like, yeah, my, you know the two friends that I walked around the squadron with the other day uh, thought you were cute, and then he told his wife, and his wife texted me and was like, hey, I heard one of your friends thinks Dave is cute. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what? Why are you <laughs> talking to me about this? Like, 
It's weird. It really was not that big of a deal, but okay. (laughs) Emily trying to steal her man. I'm just trying to start drama, you know? Yeah. Laughed it off. I was like, ha ha. Yeah. Um, she, or Robert said that he was married with four kids and she was like, oh, okay. Not for me. No, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) I'm like, that's so weird. Whatever. Okay. So since you, since you've been in England, you guys have traveled all over. Where where all have you been? Been a lot of places. I never thought I would go. Um, we've been to Germany a couple times, France, Spain, Italy. Um, we've been to Belgium, Iceland, not Iceland, sorry, Ireland, Scotland, and we've been to Poland and the Czech Republic. So what has been your favorite place? 100% Italy. Best place in the world. So Italy, favorite country. What about favorite place in Italy? Um, that would be Florence. So like Tuscany. Oh, me too. I love Florence. It's just so like, it's busy and touristy, but if you get away from all that, it's so beautiful. Are there any of the places you listed, any place you wouldn't go back to? I will never go back to Spain. Why? Like, I don't know. I just was like, I don't think I went to the proper places in Spain, honestly. So I guess maybe I would go somewhere more off of the beaten track. But I don't like any Spanish food. <laughs> like, okay. I get really tired of it. I was like, okay, that's enough tapas. Like, after day <laughs> tapas again. Um, and the whole siesta thing kind of, like, threw us for a loop because, like, everything closes in the afternoon. Even, like, the museums and, like things to do just like stops for four hours in the middle of the day and you're like what can I go get an ice cream at this shop no because they're sleeping like but no I just didn't like Spain just mainly because of yeah the food choices and the whole there wasn't interesting things to do for me personally so but we only went to Barcelona and a place called Zaragoza and Zaragoza was beautiful Robert was deployed there And so I went to go visit him on his deployment for a week. And uh, we got to, like, we went to a Spanish winery, which was super fun. We bought, like, 12 bottles of wine. Robert brought brought them back home on his jet. And um, they were, like, five euro a bottle for this, like, wine from a Spanish winery. And in the States, that wine would probably be, like, 70 bucks a bottle. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're like, this is the life. Like, that's, I love Spanish wine, but I don't need to go back to Spain. Sorry, Spain. (laughs) No, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, you guys have become quite the wine people. Um, I would say we have at least 30 bottles of wine in the house at all times. Oh my gosh. It's really (laughs) fun to visit them. (laughs) (laughs) We'll open a bottle. We like to match our food choices with our wine. You know, like, we'll make... Italian food with our Italian wines and whatever we we like to try and be cultured a little bit. So besides Italy, what other favorite places have you been to? Um, we love Paris, which is surprising. We didn't think we would love Paris. And Belgium, we love Bruges. We just walk around drinking beer and eating chocolate and just like hanging out. Um, I was surprised at how much I liked Prague. We went for the Christmas, uh, the Christmas markets and we just like, and did some history stuff in Prague and we were like, wow, I did not think I'd enjoy this as much. So that was like a nice surprise. I don't know. Every country has its perks. Yeah. They're all so different too. 
And it's so fun to go see just like even within the countries because we've been to every we've been to most of these countries more than once. So like in Italy, it was cool to see like how the culture changes and the food changes and the wine changes like as you go more north or like in Germany, they have like different um, types of noodles or like bratwurst in the um in munich than they did in nuremberg and it's just like and like the houses are slightly different or whatever it's just like cool to see within the countries how different everything can be still because you go you go to germany you expect like every place to be selling pretzels and that's like (laughs) that's not the case in nuremberg like you don't just see them but munich it was like pretzels everywhere are you a fan of the sound of music madison yes would you ever go on the Sound of Music tour where you like can go to all the different places where they filmed it? Probably not. <laughs> it's just a random question. No. I mean, I I wouldn't mind like running through the field that Julia Andrews ran through. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we have, our friend Kelly is going to Germany like next month and, and they're, staying at, they're, they're staying at they're they're staying at a hotel where they either filmed part of sound of music or something like that. And so that's why, that's why I've been hearing a lot about the sound of music tour lately. So I had to ask. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, but I mean, they have like game of Thrones tours and stuff in um, Scotland. Oh really? Yeah. You can go and like, I think it's in Scotland. You can go like sit on the throne. Is that where they film it? Parts of it. No, I don't, I don't know anything about game of Thrones. So (laughs) Me neither, other than it's, like, literally taking over everything. I just saw an ad for their Urban Decay Game of Thrones line, and I was like, what is happening? Uh, there's <laughs> So there's I found out this week that there's a Game of Thrones fantasy league, which I don't even know how that works. You, like, dress up and, like, pretend you're... Like, like LARPing? No, no, it's like, it's like fantasy football, but fantasy Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh, what? So like you pick who's going to die off? Yeah, you like get points for how many people the person you choose kills or something. And like, if it's a dragon, then it's more points. I was listening to people at my work talk about it. And I was like, how is this a thing? And why am I, why do I feel like I'm in the minority by someone who's not interested (laughs) in this? Oh my gosh, people get really into this stuff. Like we I have a friend on Facebook, she keeps sharing photos. Like she baked like bread in the shape of dragons. <laughs> she had like a bunch of the glassware that has sayings from the um from the movie or from the series on there and like she bought they have like special whiskey. So like in Game of Thrones they all have like different houses or whatever, House Stark, House Targaryen, whatever. And so like she bought the whiskey that's like House Stark whiskey. I'm like, people are so dedicated to this stuff. Seriously, there's also, um, I think Oreo now has Game of Thrones Oreos where like yes. some emblem is embossed, and then I think Shake Shack has like a special secret menu. You can ask for the Game of Thrones menu. Yes. I don't know what's on it, but it's like so many things. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, we're not that into it. Or I mean, we love the show, but like we don't buy all that stuff i mean i'm way into harry potter and i have a bunch of harry potter like wine glasses and coasters and whatever so i guess i'm obsessed with that but (laughs) people probably think i'm weird that's okay aren't we all (laughs) yes 
Let's all write a series of books that people become obsessed with, and then we will take over the world and make a lot of money. Yeah, we just have game. a good idea. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Some of your ideas. Okay. <laughs> okay, what is next on your guys' trip agenda? What's your next trip that you have planned? Uh, we booked a Mediterranean cruise. I am beyond excited. So we are going to Greece and southern Italy. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's I'm so jealous. Days. 11 whole days. I'm like, I've never been on a boat for that long. So never been on a boat for more than like five hours. <laughs> <laughs> what cruise line? Um, Norwegian. Okay. Yeah. Have you guys ever been on a cruise before? I just did a Caribbean cruise for like seven days. It was good. I was like, for me, it was like too much time on a boat, but... <laughs> If you're going to two places, hopefully you get a lot of time to explore and yeah, yeah you'll have to let us know how it is. Oh, definitely. I'll I'll be posting a lot of pictures probably, but we have really long port times, which is really nice because I think it's like the places are just so close together that your time at sea is not very long, which I'm really excited about. But yeah, so we're super excited to um, check Greece off of our country list and then um, Southern Italy since we haven't done naples or sicily yet so definitely excited when you go to greece are you going to pretend you're in mamma mia no (laughs) sorry that's that's what i would do (laughs) you're crushing emily's musical dreams seriously (laughs) sound of music mamma mia i've only seen the first mamma mia so what you have to watch the second one it's so good it is good you were talking about it how much you loved it i was like i really should go see that movie and then i forgot about it (laughs) here's your reminder (laughs) yeah i'll put it on my watch list okay so so what is next for you guys you're in england now but as much as you can tell us what is next in the plan for you guys well robert is currently interviewing for a new aircraft so we could potentially be moving to california again but this time we would be up north near Napa Valley. Get that good California wine. Don't know if I'll... I think I'm a wine snob now, so maybe I won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we find out like within the next week what's happening with Robert's job. So if he doesn't want to fly that plane or doesn't get accepted to that program, then we're probably going to move to Japan. So totally like opposite sides of the world what is the time frame for those moves like in the next few months the next year um we don't really know so if okay we to go to california i think we'd be moving around like october time frame but if he doesn't do it then we'll be moving in december back to the united states so that he can do like a six-month training in the states and then i'd be living in minnesota for six months so i could come visit you guys <laughs> Um, and then after that six months, we moved to Japan. Okay. Yes, we do have a timeline for that one. But so yeah, that's like a year away if we did that plan. It's just like what the Air Force tells us to do, we do it. It's kind of crazy because you basically just told us that in the next week, you're finding out if you're either moving to California or Japan. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like a normal person would be freaking out. (laughs) But you're just like very much like, yep, it's whatever. And that's what's going to happen. So have you have you always been like that or was it hard to kind of get into that mindset? 
I feel like I've always kind of been like this. I don't know. I just, I mean, it's I just surrounded by people moving and coming in all the time, like meeting new people and saying goodbye to good friends that you met. Like I have a good friend who I only got to hang out with her for like three months and then she moved and we still keep in touch, but it's just like, yeah, it's the life. We just move wherever the Air Force sends us and yeah. be okay with that, I guess, because that is your life. This is what we signed up for. So I guess I'm just like, whatever. Like, I can't – I'm not the type of person to, like, freak out until I need to, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's kind of awesome that, like, throughout your life, you're probably going to make friends that are, like, all over the world. Like you yeah. said, your friend that moved – after three months you're staying in contact like I feel, I feel like that'll keep happening and that's kind of cool that you can go somewhere and visit yeah. or yeah I have friends in Washington California Minnesota obviously Florida Japan right now I have friends who live in Germany like it's just I mean it's cool like you just like hit up a text for them at, in their proper time zone and you just can talk to them or whatever so it's just... I feel like that's definitely where your INFJ personality comes in because you're the type of person who, once you make a good friend, then they're your good friend forever. Yes, yeah. And so, and they've they've like come back to England for a visit, and I was like, I'm making time to see you. I'm so happy you get to come back here. So, um, and it's it's definitely nice and to have those types of people in your life. Like I went back to. California, Nevada, and Arizona last year in February because Robert had a training in Las Vegas. And I was like, I'm coming with you for the four weeks. I'm doing a road trip. I'm seeing all my old friends. Like, peace out. Have fun at your thing. I'm going to do my thing and hang out with all my people. And it was just so nice to, like, I spent a week in Phoenix. I spent a week in Marietta. And then I spent a week um, with, like, Robert's family and stuff. And it was just, like, so awesome to be able to do that have people all in that like general area to go out with and be with um whereas any other place or any other like if I went to Kansas I don't have anybody there so I wouldn't want to go but it's just like cool that I have these opportunities that I can see people that I've made friends with throughout the world so definitely very blessed what advice would you give yourself before you got married knowing what you know now I don't know. I It's just always been what I've expected it to be, I guess. I just knew what was going to be happening. Robert's always been very open with me about everything that goes on in his career. I know there are some spouses who I've talked to who like, honestly have like no idea what's going on with their husband's work. They don't understand why he's not coming home at 4 p.m. every day like a normal person. Like Robert doesn't come home until like 8 p.m. He works from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. And that's just like oh yeah that's what it is like he explains to me stuff so I guess if my if I could give advice to anybody else starting this type of thing it would be be like communicate with your husband throughout this process because he's married to the military first he has to do his job first or she has to if you're a male spouse but like you just have to understand that like he's doing this because he has to not necessarily because he wants to so it's definitely a point of contention for a lot of marriages because people don't understand like why can't he be home I don't understand like it he's never home with me why you know that those kind of questions pop up a lot and so um I'm I became a key spouse which is like 
I'm, I'm in charge of like a couple of the other spouses that I can talk to them if they need help finding things on base or if they need to make a medical appointment or whatever, because half the time their husbands are like, oh, no, you just go on the website, just do this. And so I guess I would just give advice, like communicate with your husband and ask him questions and make him tell you like why he's at work so late and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like get all the details. I mean, well, that makes sense. And it's just something that that's a key thing in any type of relationship is just communicate and be on the same page. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting because a lot of military, like we were talking about a lot of military families got married really young and start having kids really young. And from the outside, it maybe looks like they do that because they don't want to be independent, but just hearing you talk about being a military spouse it's like you really have to be independent because you are on your own more than anyone else getting married into a normal couple would be yeah no definitely and it's just you just have to know like okay well my husband's gonna be gone for three months you know and he's gone he can't come back he's halfway around the world and so like don't get mad at him for that kind of stuff so don't get mad that he's gone I mean you can get mad that he's gone like I've definitely been like why aren't you here like this sucks um it's my birthday and you got put on this trip and we have to cancel my birthday plans and but then I'm so like I'm mad in the moment and then I'm like it's not his fault like we can celebrate my birthday another day whatever and so even like St. Patrick's Day this year Robert has not been home for St. Patty's Day in like five years and that drives me absolutely nuts because I love St. Patty's Day And so this year, um, I have another friend who loves it too. Like everyone was gone. All of our friends' husbands were gone. And we were like, we're having St. Patty's Day on March 31st because everyone's home and we're just going to do this. We're going to celebrate holidays when we need to because you kind of just have to move things around for people because their job just tells them where to go whenever they want them to go. So you keep referring to everyone as a military spouse. Is that like the common term for it and has it always been the common term because it feels very progressive to not say like military wife or yeah it's always been for me anyway military spouse um I don't know if that changed to become more progressive recently because they have like the military spouse association that's been around for like probably like 25 years or something like that wow but um there's yeah there's like a lot of spouse groups I mean you when you think of a military spouse you think of a woman uh, but there are definitely male spouses out there you don't really see them a lot because they don't like to do all the spouse activities that we always plan like going to tea or having a wine social night or um, going to a paint thing because they're, they're usually pretty girly activities that we do so but we've done a couple things to try to get the guys out of the woodworks which never really works but yeah yeah no it's definitely it might be progressive I don't know I don't know either. I was just curious because I used to watch the show Army Wives and they always referred to themselves as Army Wife or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's just interesting. I guess maybe with the different branches. Some maybe. They have different ones. I've never really encountered anybody. Um, I've known some Marines, but I don't know what they call. I think they just say military spouse as well, but it's probably for the show Army Wives probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> it's like geared to middle-aged women. I don't know why I watched it, but <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it's probably not very accurate to the life of being a military spouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they claim to have consulted with, like, military people, but I have no point of reference to say whether or not they got it right. <laughs> so you've been in England for almost three years, right? Yes, almost three years, which is crazy. Do you, do you feel like you sometimes slip into the accent? Never. <laughs> really? I hang out with so many Americans on, like, the only... That's true, like, yeah. My neighbors, and we go to pub trivia with them on Sunday nights. We've won a couple times. We're the Americans in the pub. Everybody knows it. They're like, the quiz master is Tony, the guy who asks all the questions. He's like, where are the Americans? Oh, there they are. We have an American question for you. And then they, he asked this, like, most obscure question, and we never know the answer. And we're like, okay, nobody knows the answer to this. I- <laughs> <laughs> we seem so stupid now. <laughs> Thank you. Their but goal. It's like, yeah, it's like, who's the Olympian champion from 1752? And you're like, what? I don't know that. <laughs> they were Americans. <laughs> I know this. What? Yeah, but I never slip into the accent but I definitely use like their terms for things so like instead of a parking lot they say car park and so if I'm talking to a Brit or somebody like I try to use their terms just because it's easier for them to understand me yeah um there are definitely some people who are like oh no I never use the British terms it's so stupid I'm American why would I ever use the British term for that they should just like no I'm like uh you're being really arrogant but most of us definitely slip into the random terms. So, like, the hardest part for me at the grocery store when we first moved here and I was trying to buy, like, vegetables, I'm like, I need some zucchini. And I, like, asked I – I couldn't find any. And I, like, asked this guy. I was like, hey, um, do you have any zucchini? And he was like, what's a zucchini? And I was like, it's like a squash. <laughs> He's like, you mean a courgette? And I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> we call cor- zucchinis courgettes and then eggplant. I've never heard of that. It, what's it's French, I guess. And yeah, then that's what it sounds like. Arugula is called rocket, like <laughs> like like a rocket going in the sky. Like that's what I'm like. What? No, that's arugula. Like, why would you call it rocket? I don't get it. I've heard that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So definitely things like I cannot say. I definitely don't say them because it's just, like, not engraved in my brain. But things like car park, like, that's easy to switch over, I guess. Mm -hmm. What are your biggest pet peeves about England? Nobody says excuse me. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) I'm at the grocery store, and I'm, like, I'm looking for apples. And, like, this lady, she'll, like, anybody, they'll just, like, push closer to you and, like, reach around you to get what they need or just like stand behind you and like huff and puff. I'm like, you can use your words. Like you can say, excuse me. So I tend to just stand there a little bit longer than I normally would just to drive them nuts. (laughs) 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 Um, But, and then they also park on the sidewalks here or they like park on their front lawn. So it looks like Hicktown to me. And we had to put no, no parking signs outside of our front door because people were like parking on our front door. It was just really weird. So, because there's no parking spots and the garages here are not big enough for your car. So, there's, like, really no place to park your car. So, they just park it on the sidewalk. It's true. I've seen it. 
I've see- I saw when you had the no parking signs up and they still parked like right on your front curb. Yeah, they parked like right up to the signs. I'm like, I'm glad that they work, but like, please don't park on my front door. <laughs> That's not very nice. But they're very considerate drivers, which is weird for like the whole parking thing. Like they will let you go ahead if you, if they're like driving really slowly or they move over if you need to merge onto the highway. They're really good at, like, doing that zipper thing on the road where you, like, let your cars in if it's, like, major traffic. So, I like that. They're definitely really good drivers here. They're just slow. You've been pulled over by yes, the police. Yes, I have. So, we just uh, – we had just moved into our house, like, a month before. And I went to a friend's house for a bachelorette viewing party, whatever. And I had one glass of wine or whatever, but anyway, I'm driving home and it's pitch black and it's pouring outside. And I totally forgot that, um, my exit road to get to my neighborhood was, um, under construction. So I had to go one exit over and, um, you know, find my way home that way. And I normally have like the secret, like back road that I go on, but I, it was so dark and raining that I totally just missed it. And I was like, Oh no. I'm going to be so lost. And so I follow the signs that are like diversion this way. And so I'm like, okay, I'll follow the signs. And then the signs just stopped. And I was like, I have no idea where I am. It's pitch black. England does not have street lights, So I can't see anything. And so I decided to turn left and I kind of cut this car off. Like I should have waited, but there was still time. So I still went, I'm nervous, whatever. And then they turn their brights on me and I'm literally blinding me in my rear view mirror. I'm like, I can't see, I can't tell where I'm going. And then I'm not speeding or anything, but I blow through this yield sign and then I flash my hazards at him. I'm like, stop being so brights on me. <laughs> and then his blue lights flashed. Oh. Like, it's a cop. Great. <laughs> and so he pulls me over And I'm in my American car, so he has to, like, because I'm on the left side of the road and the left side of the car. So he has to, like, climb in the bush that I'm, like, parked next to. (laughs) Like, hello, Madison. I'm like, first of all, how do you know my name? Oh, yeah, this is England, and they scan your license plate, and they can pull up all of your information based on your license plate. You don't carry any papers in your car. Like, you just, all of your insurance information is from your license plate when they scan it. He's like, hi, Madison, how are you doing tonight? And I was like, um, well, I'm lost. <laughs> and so I was like, I told him, like, what happened or whatever. And I was like, I live in the village down there in Rutham and, <laughs> like, doing all this stuff. And I was like, it's raining and you had your brights on me and I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and so then he was like, okay, ma'am, well, you just have to go this way, whatever. And send me on my way home. But I was like, oh, my God. He totally could have given me a ticket because I blew through that yield sign. So, and he was like, when you go that way, there's another yield sign. So be sure to yield. (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks. Oh, that was nice of him. He like followed me half the way home. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. So yeah, I got pulled over in England. I was terrified. I think Robert (laughs) was on a trip. He was gone. And I was like, great. I'm going to be like in jail. Oh my gosh. I would be scared too. Okay, so Madison, we have one more question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, 
If you had a reality show about your life, what would it be called and why? Well, I've had an answer to this question for like five years. Um, I've always said that if I had a reality show about my life, it would be um, The Real Housewives of the Middle Class. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But (laughs) I've recently like probably would change that a little bit, tweak it, um, be like that mill wife life, so that military wife life. Just like follow some military spouses on their journey when they move, what they go through. It's like regular military life. I mean, you can have your dog moms, you can have your regular moms, you can have single people or whatever, people living in Japan. Just like, just to show the general public like what we do. I mean, honestly, you can watch me go to the grocery store and watch Netflix. So it would probably be really boring, but. But yeah. exciting on some on some days. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You can come to Italy with me. That's fine. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the floral couch today, Madison. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I was on my regular brown couch, but I felt like I was on the floral couch. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. Sorry, my dog's barking. Bye, Lucy. <laughs> There's people parking on my pavement. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and pick up the signs. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. You can find us at floralcouchconversations.com or if you have any questions, send it to floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Floral Couch Conversations. Um, if you're liking what you're hearing, feel free to give us a five star review or tell your friends. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.